going on everybody thanks for checking out episode 18 of the and one podcast uh after having on will and andrew last week we had to bring on their coach uh troy stevenson from the university of waterloo um and we'll we'll tell you all about him and uh what he's done what he's gonna do in just a moment uh before we hop in check out the description uh if you're curious if you like what you hear and hey there's podcast uh, instagram down there podcast email down there send us a follow send us an email uh if you think you should be on this podcast you know somebody should be on this podcast or if you just want to stay uh, up to date with everything that's going on so yeah uh thanks for checking it out and enjoy the episode peace and there we go we're finally going uh welcome back everybody thanks for checking out episode 18 of the and one podcast uh, I'm sure it's your second time hearing this by now after I'd done my little intro with the music and all that. But uh, now that that's faded out, let's uh, let's introduce our guest. We've got uh, we got a treat on our hands today. We got uh, the head coach at the University of Waterloo, uh, Troy Stevenson, for their men's basketball team. Um, but before before uh, becoming head coach, he had humble beginnings as a guard for the Warriors be, between 2010 and 2013. He then coached as an ex- as an assistant coach at McMaster for two seasons. Started coaching with UW as an assistant in the 2015-16 season, and then uh, stepped in as the uh, interim head coach for the 2019-20 season. And finally, uh, got that role as the number one uh, head coach hired in june of 2020 and uh missed his full first year so uh our condolences sir uh hope you're doing all right you want to let everybody know how you're doing if i missed anything and uh how how's COVID affecting you because i know i kind of kind of left it off on that uh sour note a little bit yeah no cam i, I appreciate it. sammy i appreciate it I, I appreciate being on here uh this is definitely a new thing for me podcast so i'm, I'm excited i listen to a ton uh Great. so hopefully Hopefully people can can listen to this. I don't know how exciting I'm going to be, but hopefully they do. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- thanks for the intro. Um, obviously, COVID has not been ideal. I, I can't complain too much because obviously there's a lot of people who are a lot worse off. Mm-hmm. Um, but I but I do feel for our guys and I feel for all the players in, in the OUA and U Sports that, that didn't get a chance to play. I can only imagine um, being that age and being in university and not being able to play. So um, we, we've been, we've been managing, we've been doing all right. We've been, we've been keeping busy. Uh, obviously the, the announcement last, last week on Friday was not great, but, um, we've been, we've been rolling with the punches so far and we'll continue to do so, uh, until we can kind of hopefully put this in the rear view. Yeah. And so, uh, we, we, we've had on a few, uh, a few members of the, the sports community, uh, recently it is kind of what we do. Um, but I don't know if we've had any coaches or anything on since that uh, that new announcement. So, so what uh, what's your goal to kind of get through this this one month lockdown and then heading into the summer? Yeah, I mean, from a it, it, it's a challenge, right? Because obviously, from a logistical standpoint, it's a little bit of a setback, right? You got to figure, okay, what are we gonna 
what kind of resources are we going to give the guys and, and how are we going to keep them engaged and, and what can we do to maximize their development? Cause we were mm-hmm. on a pretty good six to eight week plan before this kind of went, went down. Um, yeah. so that's obviously the first place my mind goes right. And then maybe that's just cause still I'm relatively young and, and I just think about X's and O's and logistics still first, but the biggest thing is trying to make sure they're mentally okay. Um, trying to make sure we're putting the, the resources in place to support these guys. Cause I could imagine, and I know you guys are both young and, and I can only imagine what it's like for high school kids and these young kids to constantly be out for a little bit of freedom and then back to nothing's allowed. Yeah. So, um, we're, we're putting some things in place and my biggest thing is to try, try to communicate with each one of them and see what each one wants, right? If they want a week or two off cause they just mentally need a break cause this is annoying them, then we give them that time. But we, we're, we're lucky enough and we're, we're uh, happy to have a couple guys and, and quite a few guys that still want to do the film work and still want to learn and, and still want to do the strength and conditioning stuff that we're putting together for them. So just trying to find that balance. Yeah. And, um, how has uh, COVID been uh, affecting your recruiting process so far? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, uh, luckily, um, the, the, one of the biggest things with recruiting, right, is you have to have kind of that solid network of people you trust, um, kind of all over Canada, all over Ontario, guys that you can reach out to and, and guys that reach out to you and you trust. So I think, uh, at least for myself, like you, you really had to trust those resources this year because a couple of them tell you that yeah they can play they can play but you haven't seen them play in two years (laughs) right so um it's it's especially for a young coach trying to balance like trusting people right obviously when you come in here you're like i want to do it my way blah 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 and all this stuff but um yeah it's it's been interesting um we've had a list of of people i try to build lists a couple years ahead so that at least some names we we still had on our list and and went through that but yeah a lot of it's been vetting through tape and old game film and and workout film and like it's the first time i've ever actually like watched somebody working out outside and actually watched it you know what i mean like instead of an actual game so uh, it's been interesting right and and then those are kind of the the challenges i would say um, in terms of the communication, though, I think Zoom has been fantastic for recruiting. Um, I think it's it's been a great way to kind of have those initial conversations because usually in the past you'd do it by phone or you you talk to the kid and their parents after a game just for that initial introduction and 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 find ways to do it that way. But for kids that live kind of far away, it, Zoom has been fantastic. Yeah. Um. And when we talk about recruiting, one thing about Waterloo is. If I go to a Laurier game and I look through that pamphlet, there's maybe one or two people from Kitchener, Waterloo, and they're not even touching the court. Well, you guys, you have, I know, Will, Andrew, Coel, and many more local talents. What do you think are the pros and cons that come with recruiting really locally? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Um, I mean, we we were lucky in my first year here as an assistant coach with Justin Gunter that uh, just down the street was Nadim Hodzik, uh, Simon Petroff, and Justin Hardy. Um, they all went to Sir John A. McDonald, um, and all three of them could play. And they were all highly recruited guys, um, Queens, Mac, uh, UFT, Ryerson, um, all, all interest in, in those three, and um, or a variation of those schools interested in those three. And, and we happened to get all three of them. So, um the biggest thing is I think you need to have a pretty good understanding of, of your um, 
area. Obviously, you always want to try and make sure that you're getting the best talent in your area. Um, and then as I continue to recruit and, and grow our network, like I mentioned before, um, then you just try to, it allows you to build a, a bigger list and it allows you to have a bigger pool to evaluate essentially. Right. And, and I think in the, in the past we've, we've grabbed some really good pieces locally and, and maybe not some great pieces, but, um, I know moving forward, it, it definitely won't be a situation where I'm like, I have to take this guy cause he's local. I'm just going to try and grab the best basketball players that we can get. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so actually I, I've written down my next question is about, uh, what, what you're looking for during the recruitment process. But one thing, you know, we kind of have to take into account is that this is a COVID year. Like you're getting outdoor workouts, uh, submitted to you. You're getting highlight reels from maybe a year ago. Um, so not only do I want to ask, what are you looking for during the recruitment process? But I also want to ask, how are you finding that? Because I feel like the COVID year has, has definitely changed that more than, um, maybe anything else. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, yeah, like like I said, it, it's watching lots of film. Obviously, identifying what the pieces that you see that would fit your culture, that would fit where you're trying to build. Except, especially myself, right? I brought in my first recruiting class. I, I was able to recruit in my interim year, uh, so I brought in some some young guys and then mm-hmm. two transfers. Um, so then, kind of building off of that model of of what 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 do I want to people to look at and be like, Oh, Waterloo, like they clearly care about toughness. They clearly care yeah. about this. They clearly care about that. So trying to find those pieces that fit that kind of culture and that kind of mold. Um, and then, like you said, right, like just trying to go off film conversations, um, conversation with coaches. Cause obviously you, you have the kids that you're tracking down and looking into, and then you have the tons of kids that are sending you emails, right? Like I get, I don't even know how many emails a week of uh five ten combo guards that all think they can play right and, and they always <laughs> and they and, and in all honesty they were probably really good on their high school team or they were they're probably yeah. good players but it's just there's so many people out there just trying to find the right pieces um i think a lot of us coaches at this level can can spot someone who's talented right and then the next hardest thing is figuring out are they do they have the intangibles that will work with your program um, so, I mean, this year has been, been tough in that sense. And I, and I like joking around a bit, but I'm kind of serious with it. Like we're, we're recruiting guys, guys that we know will be good fits. We're really, really happy with the guys that we've identified for this year, but it's going to be very real that once like August comes in September and we can start scrimmaging again, we're just going to put everyone in the gym, close the door and find out who's the best seven, eight basketball players. Yeah. Right. And, and who knows, right. Cause we've had guys that are training mm-hmm. here all year, but I don't know who's better than who anymore. It's been so long, right? Like we got to, we, we, all we've been doing is skills with a mask on. We got to see these guys compete. Right. So, um, it'll be very interesting to say the least. Yeah. Um, I guess getting a little more specific, um, are, are there, are there specific categories of a player's game? Um, that you're evaluating or, or categories that you're putting players in maybe like a, a, a guy that's going to be a project, a guy that, that could fit your scheme and, and play real minutes in, in, in year one or two. Um, and, and maybe how does that mold with uh, the culture you're building and maybe expand on the culture a little bit? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, for Waterloo's very different, right? Um, and, and I don't say this to try to give myself any type of crutch or try to make people feel sorry for us or whatever. I, I always like to say that warriors are built different. Um, 
and and it's very different in terms of the evaluation of talent, right? Because we have such a high academic piece, and what the the direction this program's going in that I'm trying to that we are trying to uh, put this program in is to create uh, a destination where people really want to go to, but that's not the case as of right now. Um, so when it comes to actual recruiting and the intangibles, right? I, I like mm-hmm. breaking it down my personal offensive style. I like breaking it down kind of like handlers, kind of guard slash shooters, wings and bigs. Okay. Right. So I don't, I don't do the traditional one, two, three, four, five. I don't think that's the way that basketball is played really anymore. Yeah, um, I agree. I'm, I mean, obviously you have to number them one, two, three, four, five <laughs> when you, when you put them on the court, but, um, but I like to kind of break them down in that. And, and I try to ensure that we have a, a enough handlers on, on the floor at one time. And obviously every coach wants that universal basketball player that can do it all, but that's not the case, right? All the time. So then when it comes down for me and, and for Waterloo and for us, sorry, um, we, we do our best to try and evaluate guys that uh, could impact right away. But more importantly at Waterloo, every so often, maybe every two or three years, we'll get what we call a unicorn, a guy that can impact right off the hop, right, and be a big piece. Like yeah. Nadim, Nadim Hodzik would be the last unicorn that we, we had, right? Like he was a big piece starting in his first year. Um, but that happens, like I said, every once in a while, right? It's not every year. So you then have to find Waterloo guys, right? And, and those are the guys that might not be the most skilled coming out of grade 12 or grade or, or fifth year, but they're long enough to be a wing. Right. And they're guys that, uh, high five that, that this sounds terrible, but like our, our awesome culture guys high five, their teammates, when things aren't going well, they're still defending and they still want to be tough and physical. Right. And then those are kind of some of the things you evaluate in those certain positions, like what you want from a character standpoint. And then you look at him and you think to yourself, okay, this kid's 18, 19, what would he look like at 22? Right. Because, mm-hmm, yeah. We're we're going to be a program of, they might not be anything in their first, second, or third, but by the time they're in the second half of their third year, fourth and fifth year, they've really developed. And that's kind of what we need to put our focus on is it's a five-year plan. We're going to be in the gym, uh, a skill development mindset, and we're going to have an S&C mindset, strength and conditioning. And, yeah. and you're going to physically improve and you're going to improve in your skills through all five years. Yeah, and I, I feel like... Um, no, it's it's good, right? You know, you talk about the 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 one through five scale, and then you turn on the TV, and uh, you, you got a uh, Houston running a, a six five guy at at uh, at center in the NBA. It's like, okay, well, what what does a uh, what does a one mean? What does a five mean anymore? Mm-hmm. Um, so I I totally get that. In in kind of coming out of uh, re- recruiting, I feel like it transitions really well. I I was just curious as to how you um. At, at the University of Waterloo, um, use the the red shirt um, option for players. Is that, um, yeah, actually, I guess just your philosophy in general. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. In in the past, uh, I've had some great, obviously, coaches that I've that I've worked with and who have coached me. And 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 it's funny because you kind of just take things. You you listen to obviously everything they say, and you and you roll with them as as you're a player and as you coach with them, and then you you kind of write down and keep things from everybody. So you kind of become a hybrid, right? By the time you become a coach. Um, and then I'm continuously trying to learn to reading and, and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Like any, like any other coach at this level, right? I'm, of I'm course, not, of course. I'm not, I'm not special in any way, but um, one of the, one of the 
things that I've kind of taken from a redshirt is a guy that needs a year, right? Like a, a guy that physically just can't, he's got the skill set. He, he's got a high ceiling, mm-hmm. but physically he's just not there. And then a huge piece at Waterloo is academically, he's in a program that can stretch over six years instead of five. Right. And then it becomes a conversation yeah. or, or a four year program that he's going to stretch over five. So maybe he only plays for four, uh, but he red shirts in his first. So he's with the program for five. Right. That's a, that's probably piece number one at Waterloo because the high academic programs are usually pre built for everybody. Uh, like the engineering, the maths, and all that kind of stuff. It's all like, oh, here's your five year program. Here's your schedule. You're, you're going to graduate in five years. There's no uh, flexibility, essentially. Um, so that's number one. And then, yeah, it's someone that I'm not just putting on the team to put on the team. It's someone that I can, I can see uh, developing and becoming a piece and someone that I want to see kind of uh, grow through their first, first year as a redshirt and, and maybe another year after that and then reevaluate them after two or three years with the program where they're at. Yeah. And, and sorry, I, in, in, in doing all that, I, I was, I was just kind of had like a moment. I remembered were correct me if I'm wrong, but you were you were redshirted when you played for Waterloo, correct? Uh, my third year, Greg Francis came in. Okay. Um, and there was a conversation at the beginning of the year because we were pretty heavy in guards, and yeah. as as one would expect, a new coach comes in and he brings his guys. Yeah. Um, so a conversation was had uh, for me to redshirt while one I kind of figured out the style of play. We we hadn't played. Like we weren't that good the year prior to that. My first year we mm-hmm. were okay. We still missed the playoffs. My second year we were we were not good. And and then Greg came in and and bring the, brought new energy and new guys. Yep. And so the conversation was had with him that maybe we I redshirt for my third year. Um, and I th- honestly think that lasted for two preseason games. And then I made the twelve and started playing a little oh, bit. Okay. Before I st- yeah. So yeah, it, it was you're... maybe two games. Maybe okay. two games. I okay. Think. Because I, I I saw the listing, but it it it, it had looked like you you'd still played. Uh, so so, so anyway, yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah. um, I I was kind of curious though because uh, you did graduate um as a chemical engineer, correct? Yes, I did. Yes. And and so I was I was just kind of wondering, uh, with with talking about how those maybe more engineering um, math focused fields at UW are more rigid with that. Did that kind of did did that give you maybe some prior knowledge of how to fit um, a redshirt into uh, getting your, uh, your your degree at, at UW? Yeah, I, I, I think that my chemical engineering experience at Waterloo definitely helped me just more kind of be empathetic, right? Yeah. And, and understand, yeah. it, especially like a perfect example is Nadim Hodza came in in his first year. And I remember it was like a Wednesday in like the middle of season. And it might have even been midterm season. And got, like Coach Gunter was just absolutely giving it to Nadim. Okay. And and I just remember looking at him once. I'm like, I'm not telling you how, how to do your job. But I'm just letting you know, like, this kid just came off of three midterms where he probably slept for four hours. Like, yeah. just keep that in mind. Right. So I, I don't think that you need to essentially go easy on anybody. I just think you need to have an understanding of the best way to kind of 
Um, and, and, and Justin being the fantastic coach that he was, was just like, Oh my yeah, God, I yeah, didn't yeah, even yeah. think about that. Like that, that's such a good, like, that's awesome. Thanks for letting me know. Um, but I just think that it, it's given me the knowledge to kind of be more supportive on the academic piece and understanding kind of what extra resources we can maybe put into place to make sure that these guys are mentally primed and physically primed and ready to go for big games, big games like uh practices and all that kind of stuff well i haven't practiced big but just big big yeah, games yeah, yeah. right and and that kind of stuff just just trying to put the resources in place that they can show up get in the change room and they're ready to go right give them their space and they're ready to compete at a high level and i've never really liked the the whole idea of going easy on somebody quote unquote right um because in saying quote unquote easy it, it's it's almost as though you're kind of like leaving something that really should have been done you're you're making a, a sacrifice i guess um maybe that's just the way it's used employed and it it, it, it kind of implies that but but i don't think that that's uh a given uh what whatsoever and i think your your example there re- really shows that um and kind of in talking about you know you, you have some soft spots and uh, sorry, uh, not supposed to call them soft spots. I guess that was right, kind of the moral, right. but but you have you have some previous understanding that helps you coach. Um, and I also kind of wanted to to ask about um, how that relates with play style because um, when you played, you were you were known as kind of an up tempo uh, shooter slash scorer player. Um, and so does that. Uh, does that have any effect on the types of players uh, you like having on your team? I, I know sometimes a, a coach will play one way and then uh, when they actually become a coach, they'll kind of go like full 180 and, and do the opposite. So I was just kind of curious to, to, to get there. And I was thinking we kind of led into that nicely. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a great question. Um, my first year, right. When, when I kind of took in as the, took over as the interim head coach from, from Justin, um, we, uh, he, I, I think I officially started the job like September 3rd and then we played our first preseason game September 26th. So I didn't really have a chance to kind of put my fingerprint on it. Yeah. Right. So we, I, I obviously added wrinkles here and there throughout the year and, and we played a lot more zone for instance, defensively in that year, just based on our personnel than, than we ever had before. And that was just kind of my little wrinkle and just to change things up defensively. Um, but I never really had the chance to, to do exactly what I wanted. Right. And obviously there's things from Justin that we kept and there's things that, like you said, like it's, it's now my program and there's some, some styles that I obviously like better from my playing experiences or, or watching basketball and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I definitely think uh, shooting has become a big focus for us. Um, I, I, not just because I enjoyed shooting. I just like to think that, uh, my experiences growing up that allowed me to be a good shooter allows me to mm-hmm. help coach it a little bit better. Um, it allows me to identify good shooters. It allows me to help guys on the mental side of things. And by no means, like, like I was a half decent high school shooter, <laughs> like by no means am I calling myself a shooter, but, um, Definitely just, it, it allowed me to help kind of coach these guys, especially this off season to improve our shooting. And if you guys looked at our numbers last year, uh, it, it, our, our three part percentage was, was not great to say the least. So it's definitely been a key focus in recruiting and in skill development for us. Yeah. Um, earlier you were just talking about how, you know, Waterloo isn't exactly a place 
where everyone wants to come right now. And just more and more how you talk, it sounds like you're kind of in the rebuilding stage. And I remember in an earlier podcast, uh, Jess Roke, she kind of glossed over about how the the COVID leap year is kind of helping her a little bit to get mm-hmm. another year to, you know, try to go in the right direction. Do you think it's helping you too? Or Yeah, absolutely. I think... I think the guys that are on campus are, are young guys and are transfers. Like they've gotten a chance to kind of uh, understand me more and, and, and develop more. And like our first year guys put on about 10 to 15 pounds of muscle, even though we haven't really been in the gym as much as we would like to. So, I mean, they're developing nicely and it's definitely more beneficial and, and it's not really beneficial for me, right. Per se, it's more beneficial yeah. for those guys, right? Like, yeah. Cause once you kind of get into it, right, you commit and, and we got a couple out of province guys. We, we try to get them here early, but you show up like a week or two before we start kind of the official training camp. Um, and, and they get like workouts in and then we fully start practicing. Like all of a sudden, like that first month of September goes quick. Right. And, and if you're not ready to play all of a sudden it's Christmas time and you've played probably a minute and a half to two minutes a game. Right. So those young guys, this year has been fantastic for some of them right? Just getting better. Like I know a lot of their confidence is coming up with their shooting and, and obviously looking at themselves in the mirror and flexing and feeling nice about mm-hmm. themselves probably helps too. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 in terms of rebuilding, um, we definitely need to improve. Uh, I don't think it's as much of a kind of gutting or rebuilding as uh, Justin and I kind of did in our very first year here together. Um, we went one in 19 in that first season cause we didn't have a chance to recruit in the very first season. Yeah. It was a lot of long, dark, dark bus rides. I'll tell you that much. But, um, and then, and then the next year we were lucky to have a really good, we had two really solid recruiting classes in a row. Um, yeah. but yeah, that I, I, I don't think it's fair for me to sit here and pretend like I, I was handed a, a bad situation. Justin left me with a much better situation than he started with. So I, I wouldn't call it like a full rebuild, but definitely we need to improve. A re- retool maybe? I know. They, yeah, exactly. They like exactly. That in the, uh, find, find, lingo. Yeah, find pieces that fit better with myself and, and that obviously you help us develop and get better. To, and, and more importantly, like we talked about at the beginning, like that fit, fit the culture, right? That, that have that continuous improvement mindset, guys that want to be in the gym and all that kind of stuff, so. Yeah, do you do you feel a little bit of, of extra pressure to, you know, rebuild as fast as you can, knowing that on both the men's and the women's times, um, on both the men's and the women's basketball teams, the coaches haven't really had that much time to have a rebuild, especially on the women's side. They they go through like a lot, like every couple of years. Does does that add a lot of pressure for you? A lot of turnover. Uh- yeah, there's been Waterloo's kind of had quite a bit of turnover, right? And and whatever the reasoning behind it, um, I mean, not really pressure. It's not fair. Like also, we live in a in in a in a country, and we we coach in a league that I can I have time to make a couple mistakes, and I'm not kind of fired. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if I was in the NCAA, I could definitely feel a little bit more pressure. Um, with that being said, I'm, I'm in no way complacent. Obviously I would like to do this as fast as possible, but as, as you know, um, if you try to rush and skip any steps, you're never going to get there anyways. Yeah. So I'm just trying to, we're just trying to make sure that we're, we're following the correct steps and making sure that we're, we're not miss cutting any corners. 
Uh, and if it happens in two years, then great. If it happens in five to 10 years, then that's okay, right? Like I, I have no intention of leaving anytime soon. So if it, if it takes me a little bit of time, it takes me a little bit of time. That's that's my journey. That's our journey. And if it happens to go faster, it, I would love to say it's got something to do with me, but it, it will definitely have to do with the players that, that we have and they commit and they buy in. So. Yeah, no, it's a, it, it sounds great. And before we kind of transition into talking a little bit um, more specifically about, you know, a few of the, a, a few of the things we picked out from kind of looking at, at, uh, what went down in your last full season, yep, um, yep. Uh, here we're we're aware that uh, skill development is something that you're quite interested in. We're we I mean we we're clearly aware that that recruiting is as well. After just kind of having that uh, somewhat lengthy chat about it, um, and you also I mean you also mentioned earlier um, that when you're stepping into a coach your uh, coaching role, it's it you're you're kind of bringing everything you were already doing and just meshing it together. Maybe adding a few more responsibilities. At the end of the day, right? There's only so much time you have, um, mm-hmm. and so I guess what was what was it like for you? Um, maybe maybe even with more of a view of skill development or those things that um, you were very interested in yourself prior to becoming uh, head coach and still are, but maybe you had to figure out how to take a little bit of a step back from or or maybe manage and oversee rather than do everything yourself. Yeah, no, that's that's an awesome question. That is an awesome question. I will, um, I will tell you the first month and a half, probably honestly before Christmas, uh, and and to even be fair, that entire first year was a blur. Um, having coaches, we, we also with the coaching change, right? Like our almost our pretty much our entire coaching staff was new, right? So and and new to me. Right. So we needed to figure out and work together and, and find out what everyone is willing to do. And especially at this level and at Waterloo, like we don't have full time assistants or full time assistant money. So it's it's volunteer coaches who are, are spending extra time to do this stuff on top of their regular regular jobs and their everyday jobs. So I think that first year, um, luckily for me. Uh, not married, have an extremely, extremely, extremely understanding fiance, um, <laughs> and and no children. So I, I think that was a massive piece for me in my first year because because I like skill development, skill development, and with Waterloo being high academic and a lot of guys in co-op where they actually work during the day. Yeah, my day starts at six in the morning, right, and then I get home, drink a bunch of coffee, and do all the logistical side of being a head coach. And all the one-on-one meetings and and the, and the skill development plans and the programming, the recruiting, the budget, all that kind of stuff. And then I would rush back to campus or, or come out of my office for 2 o'clock because 2 o'clock in the afternoon would be another time we'd go on court with a couple guys for their daily vitamins, we called it. And then 3 o'clock, I'd run back, try and have dinner with, with my fiance as fast as possible, and then head back to the gym and get ready for practice, right? And then I'd come back from practice and – start watching and probably cut some film and from practice and then get ready for, for our opponent. Right. And, and scout. So wow. it, it, it's Yeah. It, it, and I don't want to set like make it sound like I'm the first person to ever do this because obviously there's fantastic coaches in our league and I'm learning from the best, especially when they whoop us when we play against them. Right. But uh, I think what I definitely learned, like you guys said, is how to manage and, and how to delegate. 
right? And and this year has definitely helped me because it's also given our coaching staff a year to kind of play around and 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 delegate and work on scouting reports. So now maybe an assistant coach does scouting reports and and maybe another assistant does practice film and cuts it. Like just just teaching and learning and they get an idea of what I want to see and 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 I get an idea of their commitment level and what they actually like doing. Like obviously as volunteers, I don't want to make them do anything that they don't want to do, right? Like that that would be brutal. It's like, hey, come to practice and I want you up top filming and have no impact on practice. Like I'm not going to make anybody that doesn't want to do that do that, right? So um, yeah, it's 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 been good. This year's been good. We've we've kind of messed around a little bit, right? Like uh, during the bubble, me and a couple assistants would do scouting reports pretending like we were Miami getting ready for Lakers game one. Right. And, and we would break, we would do a scouting report and we would teach it to each other. And, and we do this, the sets on fast draw and just different ways to keep each other engaged and have some fun with it. Just, and just figure out like who's good at doing what and, and what kind of, I want to see on a scouting report. Right. And, and we, we also have done that through March madness and we've worked on film cutting and all kinds of stuff. So, and, and yeah, it's been good. It's been good. Yeah, nice. And, and, you know, hopefully uh, you'll be able to add to that that list of things you do to, in a day is, uh, is that you were a guest on the N1 podcast. So, there you, you, know, you know, you're, you're, you you're, yeah. you're maybe not the first person to, to have those 6 a.m. mornings, but uh, but uh, you and our uh, friend of the podcast, Justin Ceres, are the only ones that have uh, that have uh, decided to come on to this. Uh, there you go. Stay. There you go. Perfect. And uh, speaking of speaking of the man, um unfortunately for you guys i mean we we've had you both on so we kind of have to have the the neutral perspective but you guys went zero and two against uh, uh against the laurier <laughs> in uh yeah. 2019 yeah. uh yeah. 2020 yeah. season and i believe your last game uh not, not i promise i'm not trying to rub it in but was a, a loss to laurier correct me if i'm wrong yeah yeah um so i turn into the silver lining i guess we could say um, I mean, the, the score did get closer, uh, in, in the second game. So I'll give you that. But, uh, yeah, how do you see this rivalry game playing out in the future? And I, I mean, can you just talk a little bit about the rivalry in general and, and what it means to the program? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Justin Ceres's. Um, I think he's a fantastic basketball coach. I think he's an even better person. Um, so to, to have him down the street and to share the community, with right and and be kind of the two two pieces i don't want to say big pieces and, and make me sound like i'm gloating or anything but two pieces of this basketball community and in, in the kw era is is awesome to share that with them um i i think uh obviously we're we're friendly and and we get along but we're both pretty competitive people right of so course. Uh, obviously once the game goes we kind of like anybody would right it's it's just like um forget you I'm, I'm going at you and blah 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 but yeah he, he had a fantastic team last year right and and he had to deal with I think honestly I, COVID has completely washed my brain but I think it might have been last year he dealt with a lot of injuries or maybe two years ago oh yeah yeah it was it was last year I think Allie was out for a couple games Jackson was out it was it was at least like four players it was pretty bad yeah it was, you're right it was before Christmas and we, and we played them uh, two games after Christmas, once Ali was back and a couple of the pieces were back in the first game, and then they were fully healthy, I believe. Yeah, because you're right, Norway had had was injured, and yeah, but yeah, he, like, like listen, man, young coaches now in this league, 
we're, we're, we're getting lots and lots of young coaches and, and they don't mess around, man. Like um, I'm just happy to be considered a young coach in this league because Justin's roster with that Laurier team, they're fantastic. Right. And, and not an ideal team to scout for, right. Or to scout to play. So um, yeah, in terms of the rivalry, I, I would love to go two and zero against Laurier. Right. And, and that's kind of, where we're at on a basketball standpoint is, is like we said before, we're kind of in that refinement, not so much the rebuild, but we definitely want to get back to being, having that be a very fun and competitive uh, uh, game on our schedule. Um, especially for this community, right. And, and bigger than basketball. Like we want to, we want it to kind of be uh, for the community, kind of like the Ottawa Carlton is obviously not the same talent level at this very point in time, but we want to get to a point where maybe one one game a year we play at the Ott down in, in Kitchener and, and we get a good fan base and, and we can play in front of a big crowd. But I think the the KW area, including Cambridge, is it's a big basketball area. So I, we have a lot of opportunity there to make this something very special. Yeah. Um, and just talking about from a strategical standpoint, like how, how do you try to – slow down Ali if you can when you guys play them because he's the craziest scorer I've seen yeah I mean Ali Ali is uh is what I like to call nightmare fuel um he's <laughs> the kind of person that keeps you up at night as a coach um so yeah without without giving away all my little ideas and tricks uh we did it was funny uh we we did come out in a in a little bit of a diamond in one in the first time we played them um, and they were, they were, it got them out of their rhythm a little bit. I think we went on like a six or eight Oh run to start the third quarter with it. Um, and then I remember seeing Justin, obviously Laurie ended up winning that game. Uh, and then I remember seeing Justin, uh, we were recruiting at the St. Benedict's tournament and he's like, man, he's like, you watch too much NBA. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, uh, he's like, I was sitting there. I'm like, what is he doing? He's like, I don't know what he's doing. Like, oh, he's he, he's pulling the Nick Nurse. He's like, he's pulling the Nick Nurse. That's the first right? thing I thought of when you said it. Yeah, he's like, he, he's like, oh man, he's he's pulling the Nick Nurse and chasing Allie and blah blah blah. So, like, Allie's such a fantastic player, right? And and what made them so good last year was, yeah, we we doubled Allie. We we did our best to get the ball out of his hands, but they had such fantastic pieces around him that obviously it it, it didn't do as much damage, right? And and, and yeah, he's, like I said before, he's nightmare fuel and you just got to be creative sometimes and you just got to hope that you catch him on an off night. And uh, all I know is it's hard to catch, uh, if you go back in the history books, it's hard to catch a good Laurie player off at their home gym. So. Yeah. Um, I, I liked, uh. I, I, I liked the little uh, Coach Ceres impersonation. It was yeah. Uh, that's my French Canadian. I, I didn't mean to be disrespectful. That's my French Canadian accent. Oh, I apologize, but no, no, no worries <laughs> at all. Uh, we're we're just uh we're we're just having a laugh on the on 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 the podcast. And and you're right. It it it, it is funny. Uh, it, and I mean, as I mentioned earlier, it's the first thing that that came to my mind. Uh, the uh. The kind of the mad scientist Nick Nurse, uh, good good guy to, to to steal some ideas from, especially if you're trying to kind of throw your opponent um, off what they would uh, typically see. And I mean, you're also right; you you kind of need to resort to stuff like that uh, when you're playing such a, a strong Laurier team. Um, 
and so yeah, it wasn't my intention to just to just rip on Waterloo uh, with the bringing up the bringing up the zero and two. Uh, it's all good. And and all uh, good. you know we're we're looking for, towards the future. I'm sure it'll be a great rivalry game for years to come. And and it 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 wasn't your first. Certainly won't be uh won't be your last. But um, uh, maybe something a little more positive. Uh, we'll, we'll yeah, talk about sure. the uh the the Naismith Classic if that's all right with you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so in, absolutely. in 2019, you guys went uh, two and one in the tournament. You didn't, you didn't win, but two and one's a respectable record nonetheless. And I believe uh, Waterloo had um, a, a few wins when you would have been serving in as, as an assistant coach. Is that correct? Uh, at the Naismith tournament? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've we've had some success in the past at the Naismith yep. tournament for sure. And um, uh, honestly, I was just intrigued by it. I, to be honest, had never even heard of it. So if you just wanted to kind of talk about it a little bit, what the experience is like, what your past experiences have been like, ups and downs and all that. Yeah, good stuff. no, for sure. This is this. I mean, what you just said to me is, is exactly a, a goal of, of, of ours now that we've taken over this program is just uh, engaging the community, right? Like the Naismith tournament and, and hate to break it to you guys. I think we're almost on year 52. I don't know. I, I know Martin Timmerman would be Close. yelling at me. Yeah, 20, 2019 um, was the 51st, so this year would have been first. the 52nd. Second, yeah. Okay, so, perfect. So there we're you close. Go. Yeah, we're close. I know I know Martin Timmerman and, and some alumni right now would be ripping me because I didn't know that number off the top <laughs> of my head. But it's all good. Uh, maybe, maybe we can cut it and just put like a robot voice in there at the proper date. But anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, the uh, uh, Naismith Classic's a fantastic tournament. Uh, it, it used to kind of be just four teams. And everyone played each other um, over the weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, and then you would uh, kind of crown a champion, right? And it was kind of just a round robin and the best record won. And then when Justin got here, he kind of molded the the framework of it. Um, and I, I can't remember off the top of my head if it was – I believe it was our second year. He didn't do it in his first year. He did it in our second year. I think we had to skip the Naismith in his first year um, from a budgeting standpoint. But – yeah. Um, and from the second year, uh, there was, he, he completely changed the framework and I think it's a fantastic model where you have three teams from Ontario and three teams from out of the province and you just play the three teams from, from out of the province. Right. And, and then you just kind of look and see, mm-hmm. right. Based on record and based on points against if there's a tie break, whatever, but it's a great opportunity for teams in Ontario to get games, uh, at a national level. And, and same with the, the teams that fly in, right? Like, a lot of the teams from Can West, from AUS, from from RSEC, right in Quebec, they they mm-hmm. love uh, coming in and, and playing three Ontario teams because Ontario is such a such a good league, right? So uh, I think the model is a lot better. And and then yeah, to, to kind of branch off of twenty nineteen, my my obviously the most recent experience, um, we we got to play three fantastic teams, right? We got to play UBC, uh, and you know UBC is always a, a top. contender from out west and we got to play unbc as well which brings a completely different dynamic i know before we talked about having kind of those four guards and one post like they had four guys that could really shoot it and they brought they brought a whole different type of of challenge to us Mm -hmm. uh so that was a fun game for sure and then calgary made it to nationals right like we we got to play calgary on the saturday and a fantastic team really well coached obviously uh dan van huren is is definitely a a a role model for a young coach like myself and for someone to look up to right for what he's Mm -hmm. done with that program so it was really really cool experience from a head coaching perspective but then from 
from from the players' perspective, like they, I I thought they played fantastic. Uh, we came in and, and we competed really really hard and really really well against uh, UBC and and came out with uh, a surprising win for people on the outside looking in. Um, and then we were able to uh, take care of business against UNBC, a, a great UNBC team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Saturday game happened to just be the championship game, which was really really cool. Yeah. Uh, Calgary was two and zero, and we were two and zero, and no one else was was two and zero. So it turned out to kind of be the championship game, and the environment was great. The gym was full, and we played. We played. We came out really strong, and we played well. I think we we're up seven at the half. I want to say six or seven. And okay. And then Calgary in the second half proved why they're a top ten team in the country. Right? Like wow. It's 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 being consistent, and it's it's being able to handle the pressure on the road like they did, and they. They got to the free throw line. They made their their free throws. They turned us over. They they ramped up the physicality and and it was a, a, an outstanding learning experience for our group for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I I did notice you had a couple nice wins there, and I mean nobody's ever going to knock you for for losing to a team as strong as, as as Calgary. And I mean when you get to that stage, right? You know when things line up like that, and you have the championship game on the. The, the Saturday, you know, tournament structure, uh, like, like the one we're talking about, doesn't always work like that. But, you know, when you have that big uh, championship game there, I, nobody really, really loses. Uh, I don't want to be that guy. It's like participation trophy and uh, all, all that. But but it, it is sort of, it, it's, a, it's a tournament that takes place early on in the season, and it's really to help you build for the rest of the sp- season, grow the game. There's a lot more reasons why it's important than just saying I was the winner. Um, yeah. and so because yeah, of that, I, I was, I was curious, I'll, 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 I'll let you jump in here. Sure, um, yeah, sure. is, is the, what your philosophy is with, um, uh, both who you're playing and what schemes you're running in the tournament, I, I guess it's, do, do you see it as a way to use the scheme and whatever that you plan to use in, in, in your league and play the same players? Do you think that it's a good opportunity to get some guys who might not get as much playing time? Um, normally like, I, I'll, I'll shut up now and, and let you jump no, in. No, that's, that's kind of where I'm going with it. Sure. No, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, just to branch off before I, before I go with your for most sure. recent question, um, it, it's also a fantastic day that Saturday because it's when we host our, our uh, alumni, right, for the men's basketball program. So okay. it's it's a really fun day. The, the Saturday morning, bright and early, a lot of the alumni show up. We had I, I want to say we had over 20 guys uh, that year. And, and we have an alumni game in the morning and we have a photographer where we're working on, we, we play music and, and they kind of just play an alumni game. They wear the, the jerseys and, and a lot of guys get to come back and play, which is, which is always fun to see, uh, guys that I played with guys who played before me and obviously finding out how they're doing with their families and, and their careers and, and where they all ended up is it's always fun to do. Right. So it's, it's a great experience for our alumni. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of like the schemes and, and playing in that tournament, um, I think there's, there's a lot of things that stay consistent amongst coaches uh, for myself. I I shouldn't really talk on behalf of other coaches, but for myself and, and things that you start to think about once you become a little more competitive, right? So for instance, this preseason tournament, we played UBC, UNBC, Calgary, um, if if we were at a point where I felt like we were at a national contention level, right? If I felt like our roster was at a point where, yes, okay. we're, we're majority fifth years, right? These guys have been with me for five years. They know our systems. They know what we're trying to do. 
there's not much has changed. Like we've tweaked things here and there throughout their five years, but they, they understand what we're trying to do. Then you're more in a position of these games matter more for that wild card position down the road. Right? So for instance, you want to beat Calgary because then when it comes push comes to shove and let's just say we come third in the OUA, but they're only taking two teams from the OUA that year. We want to have one against other teams from out of our conference to try and get that wild card to nationals. Right. So if, if we're not really in that contention, then yeah, it's, it's, it's a good time to figure out. Right. And for me, especially my first year coaching, like who, who the guys are, like, I still don't know who, who my 10 are, who my nine are, whatever are like, am I playing 10? Can I only play nine? Right. Does this work? Does this idea work? Right. And you just kind of roll with the punches, but you have to be understanding and aware that, you don't want to be at peak performance in October. You want to still be figuring things out because you want to be ready to go and, and figure out exactly how you want to play and what works by February. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, when you talked earlier about how, like if, if you're like a contending for like a national championship, how, how those games are important. I know Laurier ended up getting upset by Western and like, what was the craziest game in the year? And they didn't end up making nationals but maybe they could have if they had beaten one of those other teams in a tournament like that. I just want to ask you the last question before we ask the last question we ask everyone right, on the right. podcast. Of course. All right. Ten minutes left till the game starts. Gonzaga yep. or Baylor, who are you taking and why? All right, all right. Great question, great question. I'm a big Gonzaga guy this year. Um, you can call me a bandwagon. You can call me whatever you want. Uh, I'm very intrigued to see what's going to happen. I think Baylor's playing really well right now. I think they're playing the best they've played all year. Uh, so it, it's very, very, it's also tough to say, see, right? Like Gonzaga, like UCLA was fantastic. Mick Cronin is an unbelievable coach. Uh, they didn't particularly defend well. Right. And now you're going up against a team that you could argue on paper is much better than UCLA. Right. So um, I'm going with the Zags because I've gone with them since day one. My absolutely destroyed bracket still has them winning over Baylor. Um, but I, <laughs> really, I, you, didn't, you didn't choose Oral going to the Sweet 16 I, or whatever? No, I did not, unfortunately. I did not. So, yeah, so I'm going to go with the Zags. I just think uh, when push comes to shove, I think uh, Jalen Suggs and, and, and Drew, Timmy, and Joel Ayayi will just be too much. Like, I think Kispert might struggle. I think Nemhart, as, as much as I love that guy, he's Canadian. I love watching him play. He's awesome on film. I think the guard play might affect those guys a little bit more, but I just think Jalen Suggs is, is too mean. He's got that mean bone in him, and I think they don't really have much to, to match up with Drew Timmy. He's so unique in the post. And, and Joel Ayayi is just – he he's that perfect glue guy that every coach wants, a 6'5" guard that you you forget about that he's on the court because he's not doing anything wrong so yeah yeah I, I would have to say the same i would have to go with the zags they're just they're unbeatable man like yeah when i saw timmy bully like the second slotted draft prospect and they just dominated usc that's when i knew like i, I don't think anyone's gonna take them down yeah, could could you tell that Drew Timmy might have looked at that as as a little bit of uh, uh, fuel to the fire? <laughs> he seemed uh, he seemed a little pissed off that they were talking about this Mobley guy a lot and not about him. So yeah, but he he sells after like every layup. Um, I mean, yeah, and then I I gotta I gotta rock with the Zags not because I've 
been paying super, super close attention, and I pretend to know all these schemes and everything, but I, I, I believe it's going to be the first undefeated team uh, to win if they if they do win in, in, uh, in a long time. I'm not going to goof myself trying to remember what, what year it was, but uh, but I was chatting with my neighbor, and he was letting me know, so... I guess yeah, go 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 zag since uh, since the the underdog UCLA is uh, yeah no it's no it's pretty bad it. it's pretty bad I know that year uh, but I don't know what year <laughs> our Nays- Naismith is <laughs> I should probably should probably figure that out <laughs> okay and uh, yeah so so the infamous uh, final question of the podcast if uh, you, you've been here before as a listener you've been uh, you, you listened before as uh, now now you're the guest. Um, it, it, we we always just like to ask uh, why you do the work that you do. So so why why are you a coach? What what keeps you coming back? That's a it's a great question. I mean, uh, we we chatted a little bit and before about uh, I did graduate from chemical engineering and and now I've turned into a basketball coach. So um, I I grew up with the game. My family what like all my siblings played. I was a I was a young halftime show. My older brothers were playing and basketball has just been such a big part of my life. And, and then when I found coaching and, and transitioned from a player to a coach and, and realized that you can help people get to their, reach their goals and, and their dreams. And, and then it just turned into the, the love of, of watching people improve and watching them realize they're improving. And then add that to the fact that it's kind of just a, a, a problem that constantly needs to be solved, right? There's, there's constant things that need to be solved. And, as an engineer, I'm a huge fan of problem solving. So, um, yeah, that that's why I love doing what I do. I love I love being in the gym with the guys. I love watching them improve. I love watching their their gratification when when things are going well. And, and I also love challenging them and, and trying to to teach them to be able to bounce back quicker when things don't go their way and and how to be how to be a good uh, how to have adversity and how to be a good member of society and, and how to, how to love, how to care, how to, how to be respectful, how to have courageous conversations, all, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it, it's a combination of a lot of things and, and it definitely, I can't put my finger on just one, but I know it, it definitely, uh, it, it definitely helps me every morning when my alarm clock goes off. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for, for sure. And, um, uh, although I did, uh, I did have like a weird little response last episode because we had some guys on. We were joking around. Uh, that's not the normal. Every answer is a valid answer, and uh, I'm I'm not gonna not gonna rip on anybody. Um, but it was a it was it was a good answer. Um, even though that I that that definitely just made it sound as though um it, it wasn't, and I do apologize. But anyways, um. Before we before we wrap this thing up, I just want to give you a, a moment. Uh, if you um, feel like you need to want to uh, shout anything out bring attention anything you can do that now um, if not that's totally fine but if there's anything you want to uh, let the listeners who are uh, still around know about uh, now's your time no I mean if anything you taught me uh, uh, everyone if you get a chance google and and figure out when the Naismith classic is that would be awesome <laughs> um, no and and uh, nothing, nothing specific. Just thanks. For, thanks for listening. If you've made it this far, I appreciate you listening. And I really hope that, um, you can come by and, and, and watch us play. And if you're ever interested in coming to watch a practice, by all means, just reach out to me. I'm sure you guys will share my, my contact information or my Instagram or, or whatnot. So, yep. um, my door is always open and I, and I love, uh, I love, um, meeting members of the community. So at any time. 
yeah, per usual, all that good stuff will be down in the description below. Troy Stevenson, everybody, thanks for coming on. Um, and uh, yeah, we're we're at the end. It's uh, it's it's the end of the podcast, and it's going to be the start of the national championship. So by the uh, the time you're listening to this, uh, that that'll be dated. But but for right now, uh, we're excited. So so yeah, uh, keep it real, everybody. Peace. Peace.